Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Today we gather because today is a very special day, and we've already been talking about it. Today we celebrate that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Amen, amen, amen. I don't know. Something inside of me, when I say that, it just starts stirring up inside of me because I can't say that and be like, yeah, matter of fact. Because when I think about Jesus being alive, it's more than just, you know, that we're celebrating that something happened a long time ago and that's it. What we're celebrating is that what happened a long time ago, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is effective here and now, right now in your lives. God is moving. God is working. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Like you might have come here this morning and it's kind of just more of an out of tradition. Like maybe... Grandma's voice is in the back of your head saying, don't you dare miss Easter Sunday service. <laughs> so you're here, right? But some of you came here and we were singing those lyrics of that song, Rattle, where it says, my God is able to save, to heal, to deliver and to heal. I mean, that was just bursting out of your, out of your chest, out of your mouth, because that is your story. Sometime in your history, you had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he revolutionized your life, and now when you think about him being alive, it's not just some kind of theological proposition. It is your story. He is alive in you, and he moves in you, and he's changed your life. And every day you walk around, you walk around with this, with this recognition and this realization that Jesus is alive. He lives in you here and now. Amen. Time Magazine has this list of top 100 most significant people in history. It's a pretty impressive list, actually. There's people like Alexander the Great, Napoleon Bonaparte, William Shakespeare, Abraham Lincoln is on that list. But you know who number one on that list is for Time Magazine? Jesus Christ. Even Time Magazine recognizes the most influential person in all of history was Jesus himself. Amen? I mean, that's pretty impressive. But I have to be honest, when I start thinking about what we experience now, what we live now, the realization that Jesus is alive and that he's changed your life, he's changed my life. I mean, it's hard to, when you look at the humble beginnings of Christ, it's hard to imagine that that Christianity even made it out of the first century. I mean, Jesus grew up poor, very poor. He came from a nothing town. He never traveled more than 100 miles from where he was born. I mean, he had no college degree. He He hadn't done anything or had any title that would look good on a resume. He didn't have a bunch of Facebook follower friends or, or Instagram followers. He wasn't TikTok famous. <laughs> like some of you are more famous on TikTok than he was. By the time he was 33, crowds had turned against him. His closest friends had abandoned him. He was then arrested, illegally tried, and then sentenced to death. 
He was nailed on a tree naked between two thieves and he died on a cross 2,000 years ago. I mean, if we took that story and we just took the name Jesus out and put any other name in place of that, we would say, who is that person? We don't even know who that person is. That person would have just disappeared in history. He's then buried in a borrowed tomb and with it, the hopes of all of his followers were buried as well. So when you hear that, when you hear this is his story, it's just miraculous that we would even be today celebrating the name of Jesus Christ. Luke 24, chapter 1, uh, chapter 24, verse 1, it says this, very early on Sunday morning, a Sunday morning much like today, 2,000 years ago, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. So maybe this is three days after Jesus had been crucified and died on a cross. Maybe they're thinking, you know, his body's probably decaying and smelling by now, so they're going to bring some aromatic scents, and they're going to kind of smell it up nicely there so it doesn't stink. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. So they're going looking for the body of Christ. They don't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women, these are angels, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. These men, these angels asked, why are you looking, for the, looking among the dead for someone who is alive? I mean, he's not among the dead. He's living. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. That Sunday 2,000 years ago changed human history. That's a big statement to make. But that's exactly what we've experienced. Here's why I know this. Because right now we have a great crowd. You're here. There's churches across this town that are celebrating the name of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. And all around the world, I just came back from, in, uh, from Sri Lanka, all around the world, even in places like Sri Lanka where there's 1% Christian and, you know, in India, maybe 2 or 3% Christian and Bangladesh, 1% 1, 1 Christian. Still, and even in those places, there are people gathering together and celebrating the name of Jesus Christ and that he is alive. It is a name, it is an event that changed human history. A poet, James Allen Francis, puts it this way. He says, since that day, 19 centuries have come and gone, and Jesus is still the central figure in human history. All the armies that have ever marched and navies that have ever sailed, kings that have ever reigned and presidents that have ever been elected put together have not impacted life on this earth as much as the one man, Jesus. And so we celebrate today that Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, he makes things new. You're here today, and I don't know, you may have walked through these doors, and there's a the smell of death in some stuff going on inside of you. Maybe your life is racked with sin. Maybe your life is racked with an addiction. Maybe, maybe your, your marriage is falling apart. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your story is. But I just want to tell you today, Jesus makes all things new. When he died on that cross and he was, he, 
came back to life again, he defeated the grave. And in defeating the grave, he defeated the curse of sin, the grip of fear, the power of death. So that's why we can, with, with courage and with, with all the conviction in our hearts, declare, he is risen, he is risen indeed, he is alive. And many of you in this room, your testimony of that, you know that, that's your story. <clears throat> we live in a world that needs to be reminded of this hope. As many of you in this room, you, you've, you know the hope that, we're, that I'm talking about. Like if I... You know, an amazing Easter service would be where we can just allow time for everybody to tell their story of how they received the hope of Jesus Christ. We would walk out of that service. It would probably take 20 hours, but we'd walk out of that service in tears and rejoicing over the fact that Jesus is alive and there is hope in Jesus. But in this world, we need to be reminded that he is the hope. He is a hope that doesn't disappoint and yet too many people put their hope in things that just end up disappointing them. Especially in the last couple of years, a word that probably resonates with us in a, for the last couple of years is the word canceled, right? We kind of live in a little bit of a canceled culture right now, cancel culture. And, uh, and, and in the last couple of years, we've experienced a lot of things being canceled, especially things that we kind of put our hope in, right? Things like, you know, Sunday morning services got canceled, Right? Schools got canceled. I mean, gyms were canceled, and it felt so disruptive, and there was, it created so much angst. And that angst comes because our culture has embedded itself in, in hoping in other things to truly bring hope. But only Christ can give us that hope. We lose hope when we put our faith and our hope in things that can get canceled. My daughter, Caitlin, she graduated from the Air Force Academy in 2020. And I don't know if you know much about this kind of, this, this thing, the academies, there's the Air Force Academy, there's West Point in New York, there's Annapolis, the, uh, the Naval Academy. And when they, their graduations are like these massive events and they're full of fanfare and there's special dignitaries that come to, to speak. In fact, in my daughter's graduation, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence was a, was a the speaker, and uh, it was a pretty significant thing, but it was COVID, and so uh, we weren't allowed to go as parents, we weren't allowed to attend the graduation, uh, they sat in these chairs, they had these chairs that were literally like 10 feet apart from each other, and they were like spread throughout this whole field, and so my daughter, typically, she would have, or any graduate would have typically gone, received, their name would have been called up, you know, Second Lieutenant Caitlin Green. She would have gone up to there, and she would have shaken hands with the, with the Secretary of the Air Force, and then she would have shaken hands with, with the Vice President, received her diploma, and taken a picture. It would have been a great photo op, right? But it was COVID, so handshakes were canceled. <laughs> so there was no handshake. In fact, it was all in the distance. My wife and I sat in a hotel room in, in Colorado Springs where we watched on my computer the, the graduation in a very reduced version. It was just canceled. Maybe your vacation that you've been planning was canceled. Weddings got canceled. A lot of things were getting canceled. Even hugs got canceled. And then when masks came around, smiles got canceled. <laughs> And so we're familiar with that, and that has created a lot of angst in our culture. A lot of fear, a lot of hopelessness. 
And so when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're saying, we're saying that he makes all things new and there's not a pandemic in this world that can change that. We are victorious in Christ. Now don't get me wrong, there's some things that I'm glad to see go that got canceled or, or have been canceled for a while. In fact, the other day I was watching something and I was reminded of waterbeds. Like, how many of you have ever uh, owned a waterbed? Raise your hand. Oh, quite a few of you. Yeah, you know, like it came out, you're like, whoa, waterbed, amazing. You, know, you, got to, you, you bought into the hype, that's the great sleep and all that. I slept in a waterbed once, it was the worst. <laughs> I literally, I was like, I kept swaying and I kept rolling and I might have been on a cheap waterbed, I don't know, but it was just the worst experience, right? So how many of you, you raise your hands, you used to have a waterbed, how many of you still have a waterbed? Yep, so I thought, they've been canceled. <laughs> Waterbeds have been canceled. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I had a, a members-only jacket. Man, I, I was styling when I was 18, 19 years old with a members-only jacket. Suede, you know, zipped up. It was kind of, those members, if you remember, they were kind of short, you know, and it was cool, you know, but I, I wouldn't get caught dead with one of those now, <laughs> you know. you really, really goofy. One thing that got canceled, I just couldn't believe was ever a thing, was the high school paddle. I know I said that some of you like under 40s are like, what's the high school paddle? I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, those of you over 40 or 50 or whatever, my age, closer to 60, you remember that you used, you used to be able to get paddled in high school. Remember that? How many of you got paddled in high school? Ooh. You can tell me what you did. <laughs> Um, my, in, in my high school, it was our high school coach, our, our football coach, that was the, the paddler. And, and, and if you, like, you messed up, you know, you could talk to the principal and all that, but if the principal said, you need to go see coach, man, you were in trouble. <laughs> you go to coach's office, and coach would have this paddle hanging on this, on this you know, hook on his, in his office, and it even had a name. It was like Judgment Day. That was the name of his paddle, <laughs> Judgment Day, you know. And so I don't know when that got canceled, but I'm glad it did get canceled. Like there are some things that we're glad they got canceled. But what's cool is that when Jesus rose from the dead, the fa very fact that he rose from the dead canceled a few things as well that needed to be canceled, right? Like Jesus made a way to cancel fear. So in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of fear predominating our culture and our society. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he canceled fear. He canceled death, he canceled sin, he canceled guilt, he canceled shame, he's canceled loneliness. All of these things that affect us, that hit us hard, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has canceled it. In fact, Colossians tells us that when Jesus defeated the grave, it says in verse 14 of chapter two, it says, Jesus has forgiven all of our sins. So when he, when he rose from the dead, all of our sins have been forgiven. And what else does it say? And canceled every record of the debt we owed. Your debt has been paid. It's been canceled. It was done away with by nailing it on the cross. And so if you put your trust in Jesus, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I hope that you, you think about it, you consider it this morning. 
to say, Jesus, I wanna, I wanna surrender my life to you because you can cancel the debt of sin that I'm carrying around, this heavy weight that I'm carrying around. He took the record of your sin, of your guilt, of your shame, and he nailed it to the cross. There's this ancient practice where when somebody had a bill, the person who was carrying the bill would, would get this piece of paper and when that person that, that owed that person owed them would pay the bill in full, they would take that piece of paper and nail it to a post. And that was a statement to everybody around, his debt has been paid in full. It's been canceled. <clears throat> your debt has been canceled. We have these little cards that we made. You saw them in your seat when you came in that you'll be able to kind of simulate that imagery of being nailed to a post. It's just you won't, you're not gonna have a nail up back there, but you could clip it. But we want, we want you to, we'll talk more about that in, in a minute, right? It's been paid in full. We've all had a debt. Now you may not think a whole lot about your debt. You may not think a whole lot about your sin. You might think that mine, it's not that bad, it's not a big deal. You might compare yourself to somebody else, look what somebody else has done, and you say, oh yeah, that, that, that's, you know, I'm okay, I'm good. But make no mistake about it, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But when Jesus died, he made a way for our sins to be forgiven. He paid that bill. He paid that debt, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is often called the resurrection chapter. In this chapter, Paul talks about the difference that the resurrection makes. Look what it says in verse 17. It says, and if Christ has not been raised. So let's just assume a scenario where Jesus got buried and he never came out of the grave. His body decayed and he stayed there forever. Let's assume that scenario. Paul's saying if that actually happened, then your faith is useless. Whatever you've been trusting in, whatever you've been planning on, whatever hope you have for heaven and the future, it is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Without the resurrection, we'd all, be we'd all still be living under the weight of our sin and our guilt and our debt. But because of the resurrection, that debt has been erased. You don't owe that anymore. I don't know, have you ever had a bill, like when maybe you were younger, you get a, a bill in the mail and you see the bill and then you also see what you have in your checking account and you're like, okay, these don't work. <laughs> I don't have enough money in my checking account to actually pay this bill. And so what do we normally do when that happens? We take the bill and we kind of hide it behind the toaster in the, ki in the kitchen because we don't want to think about it. Like, it, it. like if we could just get it out of sight, maybe I won't even worry about the bill that I have, right? But does that work? Because even if you hide it behind the toaster, you still walk around like, oh man, I've got this bill to pay. And then you go to check the mail again and there's another one. There's a reminder that you have that bill. Now it's with interest. Now there's more on that bill and you keep hiding it. And what does it do? It creates anxiety. It creates anxiousness. And I think that's how a lot of people end up living their lives. We have this debt. We have this sin. We have this guilt. And instead of surrendering it all to Jesus Christ, we go around carrying it, weighing us down. I think oftentimes what we do then is we try to figure out ways, creative ways to not think about the sin that we have. Like we may rationalize it, for example. Might say to ourselves, well, I can't help the way I am. I mean, I've heard this before. God's a good God. He doesn't really hold that against me. We rationalize it, right? So we kind of make excuses for ourselves. We say, we, can, we just rationalize our sin and shame. Sometimes we justify it. 
Justification oftentimes takes on the form of blaming others. Like we say, acknowledge, yeah, I, I do, I, I have this, this issue in my life, I have this addiction in my life, I have this sin that's habitual and I keep doing it over and over again, I do have this, but you know what, it's not my fault, it's my, it's my parents' fault. It's, it's my, my husband's fault, it's my wife's fault, it's my children's, it's the society that I live in, it's the culture's fault, right? Sometimes what we do to deal with this guilt that we feel is that we compare ourselves to others. Like we, are, we acknowledge that we have something <laughs> that's not good, but man, have you seen that person? They're a whole lot worse than me. So I feel good about myself if I could just compare myself to that person, right? So we compare ourselves. A popular option is oftentimes denial. Like we just pretend like it doesn't even exist. I've heard it this way, like, yeah, it's really, the, 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 what the Bible says about sin, is that really true? I mean, can I really be confident that what the Bible says is actually true? And so we deny it. We, we live in this denial. But the problem is that when you deny, you look in the mirror and you, your sin is always in front of you, right? Or you go to bed at night, you lay your head down, trying to go to bed in peace, and you're just thinking about the sin. It's just hard to deny it. When, um, when years ago, when my son Jonathan was sitting back there, was just a toddler, um, we had just two kids, Jonathan and my other son, Josh. Josh was just an infant. And, you know, we're trying to be good parents, teaching our kids, hey, these things you can touch, these things you cannot touch, like that stove, don't get near the stove, you're going to burn yourself with the stove, you know. There's certain things. There was one thing that Jonathan was told he cannot touch. He cannot touch uh, Josh's Dr. Talbot's, uh, you know, diaper rash medicine. You're just not allowed to touch it. Somehow or another, he was attracted to it, but you're just not allowed to touch it, right? And so we, we taught them this thing, but one day I get home, and this is what I find. That's a picture. That's Jonathan. He's back there. He's 33 now, but this is when he was like three years old. And he's like, he's got a mask of Dr. Talbot's on his face. Like he's covered his face. It's all over his hands. It's all over his little jumpy, jump, jump, jumpy thing that he's got on. And then I'm walking and I said, have you been touching Josh's di- diaper rash medicine? He's like, no. And he's just like, a, like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, and then finally when he knew he was caught, he gave me that little sheepish little smile and he kind of got away with it, you know. Uh, But see, sometimes it's just hard to deny what is so true in our lives. Sometimes the way we deal with our guilt and shame is we try escapism. I think I do this often where I see in my life something that is just not measuring up. Maybe it's not being the husband that God has called me to be or not being the, the father that God is calling me to be. And instead of actually looking on the inside and humbly acknowledging it and confessing it and seeking help, what I'll do is I'll try to escape from it. And so I'll get on the lazy boy and I'll lean back and I'll just get a few hours of, the, of, the, of screen time just to kind of take my mind off of it or or scroll through the news or other things, watch football games, you know, all afternoon long. And it's a way to escape it. I just want to think about it, right? Other times, people take on a little bit more extreme forms of escapism. They turn to drinking or self-medicating with pills or pornography. They just try not to think about it. And they just want to escape from it. But the good news of Easter is that when Jesus rose from the dead, We are able to break free from all of these things, the sin, the guilt, the shame that carries, that goes on in our life. That's what the resurrection does. 
And so Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about how the resurrection gives us victory over death as well. In verse 55, he says this, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O grave, is your sting? I love how the message puts this, though. He says, death is swallowed up. It's very graphic. Death is swallowed up by triumphant life. Like there are two things in the world out here, right? There is, there is death, we're all aware of. And then there's life. There's a kind of life that we try to live. But then there's another kind of life. There's this triumphant life that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we, you and I are in Christ, the death that we may be afraid of gets swallowed up through this triumphant life that we have in Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on. He goes, who's got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? Like Paul starts talking trash to death. Like he's saying, I'm not afraid of you. I don't care what you think you can do, right? All of us, our society needs to hear this. In fact, in the last couple of years, this is exactly what has plagued our society, the fear of death. But if you're in Christ, you're not afraid of death. You're not afraid of death. Because the resurrection made a way for us not to have to fear death. Several years ago, I came across a video that, um, of a young man by the name of Nick McNaughty. Uh, it was a powerful video. It's a young man who um, uh, got diagnosed with a cancer that originated from his appendix. And uh, by the time it was all discovered, he was well advanced in the cancer. And um, he decided to make a video um, for posterity's sake to, as a message to his baby infant child and his family coming after him and so take a look at this video what word would you use to describe how you feel right now one word yeah blessed hi my name is nick magnotti i'm 27 years old uh, i am a, i have stage four appendix cancer and uh, this is my seven month old daughter austin i'm not scared of death you know you you can say, being a Christian, that you shouldn't be scared of death because you know that you're going to a better place, but it's human nature to want to be scared. And I think it's strange that I'm not scared. I, I don't think it's strange, I know why I don't feel scared. I know it's because God has given me this peace and this blessing that everyone's dying. Mm -hmm. um, this morning there's people who get up and go to work and they're not gonna come home tonight. Uh, and their families had no idea that that was gonna happen. They didn't get a chance to plan for it. They didn't get a chance to, you know, set aside videos. They didn't get a chance to do birthday cards. So I live every day with the appreciation for today and not concerned with what tomorrow will bring. We could have a meteor hit the, hit the world and everyone would die. And my cancer would be pointless because it wouldn't have been what, what would took me out. And I was so concerned and focused on that. And then that happens and that would just, to me, that's a waste. Mom, do you want to say how much you love Austin? Sheer little angel. You're my sweet, sweet girl, Austin. I love you so much. See you again soon. Um, you know, I'm just talking to God about how I know that even if I'm not here, that he's her father. He's going to take care of her. He's going to protect her. He's going to watch out for her. He's going to provide for her. I would love to be a part of raising her every single year of her life, but any, every day the Lord gives me with her is just <clears throat> the biggest blessing, being a bigger blessing than I, I deserve. Smiles? You got a proud daddy, Austin, already. So, you're doing good. 
<clears throat> when I first saw that video, I, I just could not, I just bawled like a baby. I locked myself in my office and I turned my back towards the window of the door of my office because I didn't want anybody to see me. I just, it impacted me. And it wasn't because the story, you know, a tragic story of a young man dying of cancer, that, that's tragic and that's terrible. But what moved me is a young man dying of cancer says, hey, what one word describes you? He says, blessed. Who says that? He talks about, he says, I'm not afraid of death. He says it's human nature, natural to be afraid of death, but I'm not afraid of it. Why is he able to say those things? Because he has connected with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he knows that death has been defeated. And that death now on this earth only means being in the presence of God and that one day it means being in the presence with all of the loved ones, other people that, you, that you've loved who have followed Jesus Christ as well. Nick, on January 7th, he was diagnosed with cancer in September of 2011. On January 7th of 2014, he passed away. His wife, in her blog, two days later wrote this. Her, her name was Alyssa. She wrote, Nick did not lose his fight with cancer. He won. He won. He won. He is cancer-free, and he's, he has encouraged many hearts. When he was first diagnosed, he said it would be worth all the pain if he could just change one life. I would venture to say that he has changed thousands, starting with mine. That's what the resurrection does. It makes things new. I don't know how you walked in here this morning. Many of you, I'm sure, walked in with a vibrant, solid relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're in here, you're celebrating because your story is that you have been set free, you've been saved, you've been delivered, that's your story, and you're just rejoicing because it's a power of the resurrection that has allowed that to happen in your life. But I would venture off to say that there's a few of you that walked in here this morning with a different story. Weighted down, heavy. Maybe marriage is falling apart. Maybe a secret addiction that you don't want anybody to know. I just want you to know that Jesus can make all things new. He can make all things new. And you may have walked in this room hopeless that you will ever be set free from your addiction, hopeless that your marriage can ever be restored, hopeless that you can ever experience a, you know, a real vibrant life and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the power of the resurrection is all about. It's about taking what is hopeless and lost. Jesus was buried in a tomb and left to die. I mean, left to, to decay. It was over, it was done. By all human standards, it was incredibly hopeless. <laughs> but then out of death comes life. And so there is hope. And he can make all things new. He can, he can take your shame. He can take your failures. He can take your guilt. He can take your sin. And forgive you of all of that. And make you new. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. Um, in Cedar Rapids and Corville, I mean in Wilton as well, you can stand. Uh, we have these cards, and here's what we're going to do. This is going to be how we're going to respond. We'll also have prayer teams here on the left and right, and I would encourage you, if you're here today, 
and you ser- you're giving your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time, we'd like to know that, please. We'd like to know that you're giving your life to Jesus for the very first time. If you walked in here this morning and you've been fearing death, you've been, you've been fearing getting found out about your secret sin, whatever it might be, if that's how you came in this morning, today's a good day to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And he'll take your life and he'll transform it. There'll be some things we're going to have to work through, but he's going to transform your life and he's going to make it brand new. That's the power of the resurrection. And that's what he wants to do in your life today. And so that's you. We would like to hear you could take one of those communication uh, connection cards in the, in the chair there in front of you and fill it out. If you're watching online, you can do this online as well. Just let us know. But for all of us here, here's the, the questions that we're going to pose. This card has two questions, one, one on each side. The f- one side says, this is how God can make me new. So you walked in here this morning and you are desperate for God to change something in your life. You're longing for him to do something different. You're longing for him to set you free from an addiction or whatever. I'm asking you simply to pray and surrender your life to him. And then write on this card, just tell it. You, don't, you can leave it anonymous. We don't need to know your name necessarily. Unless you want to put your name, it's fine. But just let us know. What, is, what decision you're making today that he's going to do, he's going to make new in your life? The back side of this says, this is how God has made me new. So maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you've been walking for a long time, but you are so aware of what the resurrection meant for you and how he has changed your life that you just want to testify of that. You can also write that on this card. And then you can take this card and there's a little uh, board on the right, as you're walking out on the right side, you can pin it there. All right? All right, let me pray for us, and then we're going to worship one last time. <clears throat> and um, what, I, when I, what I want you, all, all of us to do right now is to just bow our heads, close our eyes, because I want to ask a question. I want to ask you to respect those that are here that, you know, feel like God is calling them, but they feel a little bit of an embarrassment. They're in such a large crowd, and they're nervous about that. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes, and if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ... Please bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ, but today you want to say, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender my addictions to you. I surrender my, I surrender my entire life to you, Jesus. Just raise your hand. I'd like to see your hand, please. You can raise it up and put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to close this service in prayer and... If you raise your hand, you're just going to simply pray with me, and you're going to agree in your heart, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit begin to work in you. And if that's you, if you've made that decision, please let us know. All right? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your loving kindness. I thank you, Father, that years, 2,000 years ago, you went to a cross, and by dying on that cross, you took on the guilt of our sin, the guilt of our shame, the, the pain of our lives, Lord God. You took all of that on. And then when you, ra- you came back to life again, you gave us a brand new avenue of life. That th- though our lives are disastrous, though our, 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 our past seems hopeless, God, you have given us an opportunity to have a brand new life. You make all things new. And so today, Father, I pray for those friends who raise their hand. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak to them, that you challenge, that you call them out, Lord God, that they would find a friend, reach out to a friend, say, today I gave my life to Jesus, that they would come to one of us, our pastor, our prayer teams, and say, today I gave my life to Jesus, and help them, Father, to find, 
Find this joy that only you can give and this peace that only you can give. I thank you, Father, for what you've done in our lives. We celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.